Welcome to episode 5. This week I chat with Kelly McPherson, one of the most sought-after tech transformation executives, the former global CIO of Restaurant Brands International, and someone who I've had the privilege of learning from in my career. We discuss how Kelly got started in her tech career, how she deals with pressure when overseeing billions of dollars, and her secret to building powerful teams. Welcome back, folks, to the Tanvir Bangu Podcast. My name is Tanvir, head of technology and a former college football champion. Through each episode and special guest, we show you how you can leverage principles in sports to help you win in the business world. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Kelly is a visionary and a business-savvy executive with an extensive background in strategy development execution and operations across IT, shared services, and advisory roles. As the CIO for one of the world's largest multinational restaurant chains, Kelly led an enterprise-wide transformation that earned her respect based on her success in expediting adoption of leading-edge emerging technologies and harvesting m and synergies to successfully integrate three distinct corporate brands while maintaining the highest standards of customer service. Kelly is currently the president of KAM Advisory, a tech transformations firm, and is also serving as the interim CTO for Union Square Hospitality Group. Kelly is recognized for bold and decisive leadership with impeccable integrity, personal ownership, and accountability. A career spanning 20 years in private, public, and equity-backed organizations, Kelly has a track record of recruitment and rapid advancement into senior leadership roles based on her ability to accelerate change, consistently raise the bar, and set high standards to achieve what most would consider impossible. In prior roles, Kelly was consistently successful in driving change and transformative growth for high-profile global brands including Abercrombie & Fitch and Hard Rock Cafe International. You can follow Kelly on LinkedIn on linkedin.com Kelly McPherson. In this episode, we dive into what allowed Kelly to build such a massive tech career, what Kelly looks for when hiring someone, why New Year's resolutions don't work, why you must do the jobs or the roles that no one else wants to do, how Kelly handles pressure when there are billions of dollars on the line, and how Kelly finds time to work out during a super busy week. And guys, as you're listening and if something resonates, make sure to share this with a friend or a colleague, or if you relate, please share this on Instagram stories and tag me at tender.bangu or comment on my LinkedIn or Instagram posts with your review. And remember to visit my website, tangerbangu.com, for a ton of free content and lots of exercises. Okay, team, I'm so excited for this episode. Let's dive into it with the one and only Kelly McPherson. I am so happy that you're able to join me on, the, on this show. Thank you so much for, uh, for jumping on. Thank you so much for having me. I told you before, I'm so proud of you for doing what you're doing and so excited to uh, have a conversation with you today. Before, before I even introduce you, um, I just wanted to 
for the record, if it was not for your leadership and if I hadn't worked under you in your team, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. I think the stuff that I learned from you, uh, it would have taken me decades otherwise. So thank you so much for all the help that you've given me in my career. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. That that means a lot. And I think I told you before an introduction I did for you earlier this week. Uh, you just you're a very special person, and, and you know I hold you in the highest regard. So uh, super super proud of your career and and where you're headed and and who you are as a person. So awesome. oh, thank you, thank you, Kelly. Um, so quickly, uh, you know, brief mm -hmm. bio. Um, you were most recently a CIO for Restaurant Brands International, uh, mm -hmm. one of the biggest restaurant QSR chains in the world. Um, before that, I think you spent some time at Abercrombie in a leadership role there and an executive role. And I think before that it was a hard rock cafe. Um, so, you know, quickly, what have you been up to lately? And, uh, and you know, what are you doing nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I left uh, RBI at the end of last year uh, and really was going to take some much needed time off and spend some time with my family and recharge. I had eight, almost eight amazing years with the organization. Um, and, you know, didn't really expect to be, take time off and be in quarantine. Uh, so I think it gave me more time to kind of think and reflect and, you know, the, the positives of it, spend a lot of time with the family. Um, but realized that, you know, I was ready to kind of get back in the game and, and wanted to kind of take you know, all the experiences I have and really figure out where my passions were and, and be able to kind of take on some roles that would make a difference. And, and so it really landed me in um, engaging with a few tech startups. Um, so I'm wow. advising them of like uh, restaurant tech and so doing some advisory work on that. Um, and then, you know, got the fortune to land an interim kind of CTO strategic consulting uh, role um, with a, a very prominent restaurant group in New York. Um, so I started that in June and, and doing that full time. So just, you know, oh. it's a, it's a short term engagement, but, um, really back in the restaurant, you know, different times now because a lot of the restaurants aren't open. Um, and having to kind of think through the new norm and, and, you know, really helping them put their restaurant tech strategy together. So yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of That's fun. That's amazing. I think, you know, knowing you, you know, it's, uh, you're always doing things, always executing. So <laughs> I'm not surprised that you're back in the game so fast. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's what you do best. And, you know, I think quickly also, um, I never realized how how easy you made your job look uh, at RBI, you know, uh, overseeing 20,000 plus locations, the entire tech strategy. Uh, I never really appreciated that until I started uh, to, you know, I took on a, a bit of a role uh, in a smaller capacity, but similar. And it was then I'm like, wow, Kelly made it look so easy. I'm always curious to know, um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested actually in, in your particular case, what allowed you to continually progress in your career while many others either got stuck at some point or switched careers? Um, so like, what is it that you did consistently across your entire career that allowed you to not just progress in your career, but also have the type of impact that you've had at such huge brands? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple different things, right? And if you start early in my career, and you know, I, I have to say, I was never, I never sought out to be in technology. Um, I was in restaurant operations, and um, you know, taking a step back from that, I came from an entrepreneurial family, and my dad had a couple, you know, small businesses, small town Minnesota, um, early on, and and so really kind of attribute to that's where the work ethic comes in, and where I think plays a part in what I did. 
Um, but at a very early age, you know, he had us playing multiple roles in all of his businesses. And, and I think as I progressed in my career, I think what helped me progress in my ear, career is that I was never, I was never afraid to take on a new role or a new responsibility. And having that kind of self-starting kind of entrepreneurial kind of initiative, you know, in areas that I wasn't necessarily comfortable in and, and not afraid to kind of fail forward. Um, and, and being the one to raise the hand sometimes for, you know, positions that other people didn't want, um, it kind of goes through my career. And so, you know, just to talk about when I was, you know, hired after, you know, college and did some other things for my dad and then decided to go back into, you know, had to go find a job. Um, you know, I was hired as a restaurant manager for Planet Hollywood. Uh, and so after that, after doing a new restaurant opening, you know, I landed into technology by complete dumb luck because I got assigned the role to be the POS expert for the management staff. Because back then there was no internet, you know, POS was very, just a basically a, a, a little bit smarter electronic cash register um, and found out I had an app for it. And six weeks later, I was on the road doing new store openings for Planet Hollywood. And that's how my, that's how my IT career started. And then just continue to take on more responsibility and continue to learn and continue to grow, which then evolved my career. Um, I think the other part is when I felt like I was starting to get a little bit stale or stagnant or kind of going into what we sometimes call, you know, maintenance mode and you feel like you're not kind of pro providing more yeah. kind of value and you're just kind of getting a little bit content. Then I challenged myself to take on something different or bigger or better. And so the step from planet to hard rock, hard rock to Abercrombie kind of fit through that same progression. And so, um, I think those were the traits. Um, and then I think it's just about delivering results, right? It's about building high performing teams. And then at the end of the day, it's about execution, uh, as well as, you know, relationships. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think people under undervalue or underestimate, you know, it's, we're a people business at the end of the day and understanding like what your mission is and who you're trying to help. And I think for being in restaurants, having that empathy of, understanding what it's like to be a manager on a Friday night and your POS goes down. Yeah. Like, like what I ran POS, like you just have this kind of over sense of like urgency because you've been and you can mm -hmm. empathize with what that manager is going through. And I think carrying that kind of passion throughout my career has, has helped, you know, make me successful throughout. Yeah. I think you hit on two great, great points. The first one is at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter if it's tech or operations or whatever it is in this world, at the end of the day, it's still people. And unless, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people that I've seen who kind of get stuck in, in, in a certain situation is because they don't get it. They don't understand that at the end of the day, you need to be able to work with people. Um, so I think that's like spot on. And I've seen that in my in my career. I think the second point, you know, if, if I can ask you to kind of dive a little deeper is you mentioned this thing about taking on roles that other people perhaps don't want to do or never saying no to something that is hard or you just thrown into a role. Like I know 80% of the people will be like, I don't want to do this job. It's not something I signed up for. I think, you know, the, one of the big reasons that I've seen people and, you know, one of the prime examples is I think your career, you can keep progressing is because you never say no to something that other people don't want to do, right? So, I mean, what is, how do you always get yourself to say yes to, the, to a role that's, that might not be sexy? Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's scary, right? And but I think you've got to turn it around and make it a personal kind of challenge. Like, for me, nothing motivates me more than somebody telling me the it's impossible, right? And so for me, yeah. it's kind of that inner competitive, competitive spirit, right, that we talk about, some, you know, in sports and everything else is that 
if somebody tells me I can't do something, it just motivates me that much more. And again, not to prove them wrong, but to more prove that nothing in life is impossible. You just got to break it down and into small chunks and figure out kind of how to the right approach to get there. Right. Um, And, you know, I think the other thing that's interesting and, and I kind of bring on some life lessons and, you know, my parents were big influence on my, on my kind of work ethic and kind of my thought. And I think everybody kind of draws from different people. And, you know, I look at my mother who's, you know, like something it's like super frustrating growing up. She was the, you know, disciplinary, very hard driven person, but you know, she was a labor and delivery nurse and she worked in the same hospital full time and she retired at 79. I mean, wow. she was 57 years in the same hospital and had loyalty and, you know, during ups and downs, always went to work um, and to work till you're 79, crazy, right? My father owned some businesses and ran into some tough times um, and ended up during some of the, you know, recessions and economic times yeah. and, you know, it, you know, lost his businesses. Um, but it didn't really stop him. And he, to survive, took on roles that people might have said were demeaning, right? I mean, whether it was, you know, he worked as a um, kind of a, the custodian at a big rest stop, you know, but he was so proud of that restaurant rest stop and worked so hard to make sure it was the cleanest and talked to everybody. And it was well manicured and brought that same kind of work ethic that he had in his own businesses to whatever role he was. And I think that taught me early on that, you know, it doesn't matter what role you have to give it your all and you're never above a certain role. Right. And and just continuing to learn more and kind of take on those responsibilities and and approaching it from that, you know, humility, I think is really important throughout one's career. Yeah. Because we all don't get to do what we like all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. You got to, you got to go where the business needs are and and find that right balance. I think that's, that's very powerful. um, That story. Yeah. I mean, even if you have your own business and even if you're, let's say, CEO of like an amazing startup that's just, you know, got a bunch of funding. At the end of the day, there are still things you have to do that most people don't realize looking outside in that at the end of the day, you still need to do the, the stuff that people don't want to do. Right. And yep. I think a lot of times we, we only see the, the stuff that's shining versus all the stuff that goes on in the background. Um, I think this is a great segue. I know you touched on having this competitive spirit. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about um, your sports background. Like, you know, how did you what sports did you play? Did you coach as you were, you know, early in your career and how that had an impact actually on your, your career in a positive, in a positive way? Yeah, no, absolutely. So sports has always been a big part of my life. Um, I think early on and it's interesting kind of role reversal in my house. My dad was not interested in sports. My mother and my grandmother Mm -hmm. were huge fans um, of the sports. And so it was a connection point with my mom and, and, you know, we watched football growing up and, I come from Minnesota. I've been a, a you know try and true Vikings fan since you I was little. Still have season tickets. I have season tickets. Yeah. Um, still, still have the season tickets, and, and and you know never miss a game on a Sunday. Um, but love all sports, and I started playing sports early on. I played basketball and volleyball, and you know, and I really you know I was never the best at any any one of the sports. Yeah. But but I think it was one of those things that I think it just helped build some of those kind of core fundamentals of teamwork and and kind of part, you know, working together with somebody to kind of create a common goal. When I was in, um, you know, not good enough to kind of move on into collegiate sports. Um, but when I was in college, I got the opportunity to start some coaching. Uh, and so, you know, in college, I coached a kind of middle school boys basketball team. Uh, I can tell you it was really interesting because the first kind of practice when they introduced me, 
um, you know, the fathers of the team weren't all that excited. You know, they're like, oh, some, you know, some young, <laughs> some some woman coaching our team. Uh, we did really well. I think we ended up taking second. Um, wow. And then, you know, kind of fast forward, my daughter got involved in sports and I started coaching and assistant coach with her. Um, I think an interesting story is, you know, she was on the basketball team. She wasn't very good and she didn't practice very hard and she didn't put mm -hmm. in the effort. And it's, we joke about it today because she didn't get to start because she didn't deserve to start. Um, and she's, you know, 20, you know, 15, 16 years later, she still brings it up of, you know, my mom never started me, but I think it's one of those things that you have to put in the work to, to deserve to start. You don't have to be the best, but you have to put in the work. Um, so yeah, that part of sports has always been part of me in, in coaching. Um, and then I think the other part for me, it's just about like, I've always been into fitness and making sure that I stay healthy. And, and for me, like fitness and health has been my balance, my release. And so the time I spend for myself every day to go on a walk or, you know, used to run or do Pilates or what those things, it's my time to kind of recharge, clear my head yeah. um, and really kind of prep myself for the day or if it's at night to kind of wind down from the day and just kind of, kind of clear my head and get myself ready for the next day. So super important along the way. I'm trying to find a new way to explain this. Maybe you can help me, but every time someone tells me that they don't have time to work out or stay fit because they have too much work or they're in a position that's a leadership position. I always call it bull because, I mean, you're a prime example, right? Mm -hmm. You've done so much and you still make time for fitness to stay healthy uh, and you've been doing this your entire career. Whereas a lot of people are like, you know, I really want to do it. But I think at the end, at the end of the day, people just like to make excuses. Yep, which, no, absolutely. So like, you know, if you, if you want to make time, uh, if you if you want to do a workout, you can definitely find time. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to make time, right? And I think it's about priority and yourself and yourself. Like for me, I know if when I work out, my stress levels decrease and I'm I'm a better leader when I performance you know, is better, and my performance is better, right? Because yeah. I I just feel better about who I am. But you know, some days it's two hours and I find time to work out and I get up at you know a little bit extra in the morning. And some days it's thirty minutes, but at least I feel like I of accomplish something and I feel better about myself. And I think people get overwhelmed because I think you have to put so much time into it and just do little little things every day until it becomes a habit, right? And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, everybody, you know, it's just no different than coming up a New Year's resolution and everybody starts gung ho in January because they try and do too much and then it falls off. You know, don't, you, you, can't, you can't do, you can't just go from zero to a hundred, like figure out the right path and then it'll just, continually be the habit right and so i think exactly. that's what people have to find you said you make small habits and they stick with you and it becomes second nature what are a couple of things that you've learned over time in terms of let's say from sports from coaching from fitness that you have one of them is a byproduct of it which allows you to you know decrease, decrease your stress levels and perform mm -hmm. better what is actually something that you've learned from these experiences and applied in business in technology that had a direct impact on some of the huge results you've driven uh, and delivered over your career? Yeah, I mean, I think one of them is disciplines and routines, right? And I think what we do in IT and technology, there's a fundamental, there's a creative part about it and the innovation part about it, but just the core kind of management and execution of an IT operation comes down to discipline, yeah. routines and consistency, right? The people want predictability I want to walk up to my computer and I want it to work. So I don't want to have to think about it, right? And I always use the analogy that, you know, technology, whether it's in the restaurant or the corporate office or, you know, who's ever engaging with it, the consumer, 
it should be like turning on the faucet. It should just work, right? And so the only way you're going to get through that is is through the fundamentals and kind of you know that foundation. Um, and so I think that's one of them. And I think the other thing from sports that you bring in, you know, you bring into play is again, it's about team and it's about chemistry of team. And as a leader, making sure that that chemistry, you know, not everybody, I mean, people are people and people have big personalities and, and people have yeah. differences of opinion and conflict is going to happen, but how you navigate through that. And as a, as a leader, being able to recognize when it's got to a point where it's like detrimental to a team, because some people are difficult to make some of those changes and having to make some of those difficult changes. Um, and then continuing to like deal with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. You know, I think oftentimes, especially kind of inexperienced leaders, try and manage everybody the same. And this is not macro. possible. If you can't, yeah. it's really about micro. And, and so, you know, kind of leading and long-winded answer the other part is like just get to know each one of your players like you would on a sport and figure out their strengths and weaknesses to put the right yeah. game plan together and I think that is so critical um, and I think that's where a lot of people miss. That's well said. I've, I was just writing an article actually about how you should almost hire your team like a football team mm -hmm. and what you said is almost exactly what I was you know trying to articulate mm -hmm. in that article. It's, um, it's like you know you need to understand who your players and I think the other part that I've seen you do really well, Kelly, and maybe you can touch on that is building a team that works well together versus putting a bunch of great people together and hoping it works. Right? Yeah. So what's like, and how do you do that? And how does that kind of take it from sports teams, football teams into, let's say technology? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important, right? And I think, like I said before, like chemistry is important and how people kind of interact and making sure, you know, you never want to put teams together where everybody thinks the same way and so you want to you want to have some of that healthy tension um, but as a leader you got to recognize when some of those play, when it becomes unhealthy right and and when that chemistry isn't there and and again i think you got to be tough enough to either a have those courageous conversations or make those decisions to take people in and out of teams and you see it all the time and you know whether it's football whoever you know sometimes you get people who might think that they're the, they're the superstars Best, but yeah. and they probably are but they don't play play well with the other kids well. right and, and so you just yeah it, it's more detrimental than having that star player on the team and, and i think as a leader being able to under recognize that um is super important and you know it's about the kind of long-term game not sometimes those quick wins short term the uh one thing that i think people don't realize is that if every year even tom brady has to try out again from mm -hmm. level one, as as a rookie quarterback might be in the same training camp. Uh, I think a lot of times in business, people, just because they deliver results, they kind of do get the maintenance mode turned mm -hmm. on. Um, and, and that's one thing I think, you know, that, that you can probably learn from sports is like, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you what results you've delivered. That's, that's in, the, in, you know, in the past. Now, from almost like a meritocracy that I think works really well is like, how do you now start again and, and get, get back on the horse mm -hmm. and get those results delivered again? Um, on that note, how, how have you been always able to just stay on, you know, keep, keep the motor running versus getting complacent? Yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? And, and we all get into kind of those, uh, we all get in those kind of, you know, highs and lows sometimes or where, you know, things get a little, 
you get into a little bit low, but you, you've got to motivate yourself and you've got to challenge yourself. And, and, and the other thing too, is I think you've got to be, um, you know, it's important to understand kind of what motivates you and what drives you and understand that like, you're not, you talk about the shiny new toy, like, like work's not always going to be exciting and going back to those fundamentals. Nobody likes to do drills every day. Nobody likes to go through the fundamentals, but you've got to understand the value in those. Uh, I think though, when you get to the point of when you're not challenged anymore and, and it's both personal, but you can start to see that you're probably not giving your best for an organization, then it's time to like sit back and make some, some decisions and, and challenge yourself by making a change or challenging yourself to try and find more things to do within the organization. And going back to what we talked about before, I've stayed motivated because I've always tried to take on more and new things uh, to make sure that I don't get into that kind of kind of lull. Um, but to think that everybody stays up at here all the time. And I think it's about ebb and flows and right. And when, when, you know, in our environment, you're going to have peaks and you're going to have valleys and you've got to enjoy the valleys, but you've got to just thrive during the peaks and finding that kind of balance that way is, is super important. I think, you know, one thing that the great leaders do is understanding their emotions and knowing when they're going to be hitting the valley. Mm -hmm. So they know what they got to do. Like an athlete, you go and listen to some music that pumps you up or positive self-talk. I think it's yep. so important to know when you're going to hit the low. So you can either do one of these things that helps you or maybe get some support or get some help. Um, so definitely, I think that's something that I, you know, go through almost like every month or every, uh, even much times a day, depending on the task. Right. And it's yeah. just a part of the part of the game. And I think recognizing that's normal part of the game as opposed yeah. to getting yourself all frustrated and, and also not just coming to the quick decision of, oh, I'm bored, I'm gonna, or I'm, you know, make, make a rash yeah. decision, right? Because everybody goes through that. I mean, we're all, we're all human to have emotions. Exactly. Um, and so just figuring out kind of what that right thing is to kind of relight your spark. You've been through many organizations throughout, throughout your career. I think the most recent role that you've, you've held uh, in a 3G culture, everybody everybody knows that it's known for changes, known for a lot of, I mean, you've been through what, two mergers there and, and yep. brought two different brands and made one huge brand. I think that's, first of all, it's probably the best merger I've seen from a tech standpoint and the fastest. So amazing to see you do that. Um, but how have you been able to manage and continue to move on in a culture that's built on change? I think that's one thing that a lot of people have a tough time with. So what have you done and how do you always, you know, consistently deliver results in that kind of environment? Yeah, I mean, you know, you've probably heard me kind of harp this all the time and, and talking to the team is, you know, in the world of tech and the world of business and the world of what we do, like change is a constant, right? And so you have to embrace it and you have to, again, build kind of structure and processes around anticipating change. Um, most people, like, change is the hardest thing for people to do, right? And so they fear it. And so just first of all, recognizing that change is like the one constant that's gonna happen. Um, and then figuring out how to navigate through that, I think is, is the other part of it. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I've made the teams a little bit upset sometimes because I always say the technology is not the hard part, right? Anything we do, yeah. that, that, that we can figure out. It's, it's really the influencing, the negotiation and, and the change management of you know, putting new technologies into an environment and changing the way people operate on a, you know, their routines, going back to the routines, people have routines and often you come in with a new technology, it might be the best thing in the world, but it's new and it takes time to get used to. And so being able to kind of guide people through that change, I think is 
uh, is super important. And, and so once people embrace the change and don't see it as this like scary, you know, monster that you have to go through, then then success comes. I think, you know, with obviously with the digital disruption that's been huge in the past five, 10 years, and now with COVID, there's a lot of, a lot of recent graduates and young professionals that uh, are facing a lot of uncertainty, right? There's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, I mean, whatever they went to even school for now, maybe the industry might not even be there in the next five years. Um, changes, uh, changes the constant, right? The only constant. Mm -hmm. How, what is one rule that you've applied to help you navigate uncertainty, navigate when things, you know, might not be there in the future that you maybe prepared for, but, you know, you tell yourself it's going to be fine. Like, what is some advice that you've, you can give somebody that right now is facing uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, again, I go back to the fear of the unknown and, and, and you've got to embrace that change. But I think you also have to be willing to look at new opportunities in different lights, right? So take a step back in my career. Uh, you know, I went to school for finance and economics. Then I was in restaurant operations, yeah. right? And then I, la I landed in technology. It, it happened to serve me pretty well these last, last years, right? But if at that moment in time, when I was given the opportunity to be that like POS on-site expert, and I said, no, I wanted to be the, you know, some other, you know, kind of in the, in the opening team, like my IT career went to happen. So don't be afraid to do something different. And it doesn't, taking a step back to go forward isn't a bad thing, right? Um, and then I think the other thing is like, like things come full circle, right? And so nothing lasts forever. And I think just putting that in perspective that, you know, this is a short-term problem and, and just yeah. kind of stay confident, stay resilient and continue to push forward. Life is long. Is the important life. And, and you know, it's, I'm glad you say that because people always say life is short. And I'm like, no, life is actually long, right? Long. God, you know, God willing, life is long. Um, and so, you know, what you decide today is not meant forever you know it's nothing's in, you know written in stone for the rest of your life so just be flexible the connection from football into sports you know football you might be in a game which is a home opener which doesn't really matter mm -hmm. versus the afc championship game mm -hmm. the level of pressure is different depending on the game mm -hmm. right but when you're in that moment in the situation or if you're a player that performs well there is a way that great leaders and great players handle pressure I want to know from you, how do you handle pressure when something's on the line? Yeah, no, and it's hard, right? But I think it's, I think it goes back to perspective. Um, and I earned early in my career and, and I don't want to like, you know, I've been fortunate to work in industries where the decisions we were making aren't saving lives. Right. And so, you know, I, I probably at Hard Rock, I said once, if I said, you know, 10,000 times and probably throughout, you know, Abercrombie and everywhere else, like we're serving burgers and and t-shirts right we're yeah, selling yeah. t-shirts or we're yeah. selling or selling coffee, coffee right exactly. right like it, it and i don't want to say it's not you don't bring the same you don't bring urgency um uh, when things are going bad or there's something that you have to get done but you can't just get so worked up that it's life and death right and i think you know a good example of that and, and i think good leaders can you know, trust me, I know, you know, when things break, I feel that urgency because I hate the impact that yeah. we're having on the business or the customer. Especially the front line, yeah. Yeah, but you know, no offense, like shit happens and computers and systems don't tend to break at the most ideal time, uh, but it doesn't do any good if you freak out in front of everybody and a good leader has to lead through the incident 
you can do the postmortems after, right? And, 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 you know, most people say, why did this break? Why? It's like, don't worry about that. We'll figure that out later. Let's just, just figure out what we need to do to get fixed. And, and screaming and yelling and, you know, having, you know, like, it doesn't help. It, um, it does more harm. I think, I think when, the, when the team sees a leader react very negatively, it, it, it actually impacts the team much, uh, much worse than they actually might realize because your team almost drives off the energy of the leader. Yeah, you have to be calm, right? A coach has to be, you know, I mean, yeah. they have to show passion and energy, right? And making sure that people understand kind of the, Im the impact of what's happening and, and making sure that we have, you have the right plan forward. Um, early in my days at, you know, uh, Burger King, we moved the entire data center. Um, and it didn't go well, like it real, like, and if it was one of those things that every step along the way, something could have happened, including like moving the moving truck from two miles away. And there was a major accident and the truck was stuck for hours. Right. And like, then it got the implementation. It just, you know, something went awry and it took days and we literally brought the corporate environment, you know, like it took days to recover. The good news is the restaurant still, still, you know, yeah. served, we're able to, you know, you know, you know, deal with the guests. Yeah. And, you know, I remember afterwards and I was, you know, it had only been at the company for a year and, you know, had the support of, of the leadership team. And I remember the CEO at the time recognized that as a positive, not because of the impact we had on the business, obviously yeah. that wasn't good, but it was the resilience and the commitment of the entire team to stick it out for like, days and I mean, when I talk days I mean we were sleeping at the office but nobody gave up until we got ourselves back to where we needed to be and I think it's a good example of like stuff's going to happen but it's how you respond to it and the response that's going to be the true measure of your success throughout kind of these kind of journeys that you go through or these tough times throughout yeah. your career how I think a lot of times I've seen people give up at the last minute when they were so close yeah to pushing through um, and you know sometimes it's a shame because it's like man you almost had it if you just kept going <laughs> and I think that's one of, one of the things that you just mentioned is like you know you kept going you kept going sleeping at the office mm -hmm. working hard and things get better at the end of the yep. day how can somebody that's right now is facing that is is getting beat up everything is going really bad for them and mm -hmm. they might not have the support yep. of the leadership what's what's one thing they can do today to keep going, keep fighting, especially yeah. in a technology role. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you have to you have to find that within yourself, right? And I, I know a lot of you know famous athletes always say, you know, that final moment you got to find, you know, whether it's you know, I know a great yeah. fighter said you got to find that like last couple seconds of a round to throw that last punch, or you know, you look at football players, you've got the last two minutes that you got to do the two minutes, yeah. but you first you got to find it in yourself, and you got to again know that you're going to get through it like you're just you're that close and, and just get yourself over over the edge um and it's also about leaning on your teammates right i think that's the other part like you know some roles are individual contributors but they're still part of a larger team and and you've got to find that yeah. kind of balance with your team and i think that's how you get through it yeah i think getting the right team around you and the right support system um is definitely something that's very helpful um on you know on a different topic, Kelly, when I want to go back to one of the examples, uh, when you said you started in your career and you accidentally started and, you know, taking over the POS. Um, and at that point, technology wasn't 
that that big, it wasn't really changing the industry, right? How do you consistently stay up with the industry? How do you always make sure that you were um, staying ahead of the ahead of the game? Like, what is one thing that you did? Was it learning? Was it courses? Was it um, meeting the right people? Was it networking? What was that thing that allowed you to then say, "This is what I want to do. Let's go full speed." Yeah, I mean, I think there's some reading. I mean, I'm going to admit I'm not a big like I, I never did a lot of reading, but I think it was listening to partners, listening to the industry. And, and most importantly, hiring really smart people that were bringing those fresh ideas, right? And I probably throughout my career, I mean, I was so fortunate because I worked with some of the, the greatest people, um, but they always kept challenging me to kind of bring kind of where we wanted to go from, from a tech perspective. And, you know, I think where I could bring the balance is that I could, whether it's instinctively or through experience or one of my, you know, skill sets was being able to really understand if that truly was going to have an impact on the business and making sure that we would just be, like I said, weren't, you know, chasing the shiny toy and, and could kind of vet those ideas out. But, um, you know, I think it comes down to listening and that's where, that's where I learned the most. What is, what is a one check, one thing that you do when you hire someone? What's the one thing that has to be there versus this hard skills? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's for me, it's grit, right? It, and I think it's one of those things I want somebody, like, I think you can teach people technical, you can't teach people work ethic, right? And I want somebody that could roll up their sleeves and went and dig in and get something done. I mean, you know, we were doing a big project at when I left RBI. And, you know, I was doing, you know, I was taking support calls, I was having one on one conversations with some of our franchisees, but it was the right thing to do. And sometimes you got to go deep. And sometimes, again, you got to be able to have that kind of versatility. But I want somebody who's a self starter and hungry, um, as opposed to not necessarily always the smartest person, right? Yeah, I, you know, I've, um, I hear a lot that I'm not in technology, I didn't go to school for technology. So people almost shy away. Mm -hmm. When in reality, I think as long as you have grit and you have the ability to Google something, to learn, and, and you want to actually learn something, I think you can probably learn 80% of the technical skills um, mm -hmm. that you need on your own, right? I think it's the ability yep. to go ahead and have the drive, as you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I learned to configure point-of-sale servers in a hotel room in Maui, and it, like, it was not, it was not pretty. And I read a lot of books and I figured it out and like a lot of calls and, you know, early on in my career. But uh, I think you need to, you still need to have the people who are really smart, you know, obviously really strong from a technical perspective, but you also want those people to be able to understand the business, right? And if people can't understand kind of the mission and what you're trying to do, then you're not kind of all moving in the same direction to get to the ultimate goal, right? And so they have to understand kind of the purpose. And you got to align the vision to the mission. Yep. I, uh, I well say. said. So one final question before we, uh, mm -hmm. we end today's podcast. Um, for, for a lot of young professionals um, that are in technology roles or recent graduates who want to get into a, into a role, whether technology or whatever else, or even somebody that is not in technology but needs to be able to now become digital first because it is an industry that is going to become digital. What's the one piece of advice that you would like to give? A room full of people listening today. Yeah, I mean, don't be afraid, right? It's not every role in technology is about like coding, right? I didn't code. A lot of it's about project management. It could be about 
you know, requirements and, and business analysts and really figuring out how to bridge the gap between the business, uh, the business and, and really what that kind of end customer experience is or, or the own, you know, staff experience. So uh, technology is more than just bits and bytes these days, right? It's about, it's about the experiential side of it as well, too. So uh, there's, you know, everything is, everything you turn to, you know, you know, from a support role, like, Everything is tech. Sometimes things that really aren't tech get lumped into tech, you know, like my air conditioning is not working or, you know, something plugged in is not working, but you know, everything today is tech. And so, you know, don't, don't be afraid that tech is the core of everything that we do today. So. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's wonderful having you on the show. I learned a lot today. Uh, again, you know, hearing, uh, listening to some of the, some of the answers and uh, thank you again so much. Really appreciate being on the show. Thanks, Tanvir. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best in your, your new endeavors. Talk soon. Thanks, team, for listening. Really hope you found this podcast valuable and can leverage some of the content in your day-to-day. Please remember to leave a review, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up for a ton of free content, exercises, coaching, and frameworks at tanvirbengu.com.